uh, from okay. time to time. I like this. We're going to have a whole episode about why you're so crabby. Do the research and come to your own conclusions. Be skeptical. Be that short stick that like constantly aims to question authority to arrive at the answer you need to get, not at what would be acceptable. And guys, if you want to see what Steve looks like, head over to our Instagram page. You can Maybe we'll do a poll as to whether or not Steve's success is because of his looks. <laughs> this is not going to work out well for me. <laughs> this is setting me up to fail. You may kind of give off the shy vibe from time to time and, you know, you awkward. Know but yeah. Oh, you think I'm <laughs> awkward. Okay, that's great. Well. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in the digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside of you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So that post you put up today on our Instagram feed was super powerful. Is that something that you had been thinking about for a long time? Or you actually, you mentioned that you read something somewhere. Where did that come from? I was reading an article about, it was like a psychology today piece about asking yourself the question, you know, who am I? And I think that's, that's a deep philosophical question The you know, I'm sure there are better podcasts. Than, yeah. There, there are better podcasts maybe than ours and maybe more tailored to, to psychology that have delved into that before. But, um, the whole point of the article was, was to kind of dissuade you from trying to come up with a, an answer to that because, as human beings, we're constantly changing and evolving and growing. And it's unfair to ask yourself, you know, who am I when if you think back a year, five years, 10 years, if you asked yourself that question at that time, the answer would likely be completely different. So the whole point of the article was really to try to use if you have to ask yourself that question, use whatever the answer is for good as opposed to letting it just define you like who am I well I'm x y and z okay but in a year from now you're going to probably be different or a couple other elements are going to change so what can you do with that answer to help define your role in life help define what you do professionally help define what you do personally in a relationship um I I really kind of stood out to me because we're constantly (laughs) trying to to self-assess and and come up with an answer to that question when really I don't think you need an answer so much as it's just this is what I am and this is what I am in the moment and here's how I can use it to help better my world. Now you know that I love taking personality tests. I mean I find that those are really fun and I think it is really important for us to have a handle on who we are especially our strengths. Having in mind that those things will change um, I think that they can change daily. But I think where the danger comes in is when people ask themselves, who am I? And they define themselves as this character. And for a lot of people, that character becomes a victim where they say, I'm a person who sucks at this, or I'm a person who wants to be like this other person, but I'm so far away from that. Right. Um, and that's where I think it gets really bad. So I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to think about who you are and to examine and like have a good understanding of yourself, but to keep your focus on 
the positive qualities and also your growth. I love that you mentioned who you are today is not the same person that you were five years ago. And I think a lot of people neglect to look back and celebrate all the things that they have done in the last five years. Like, yeah, we all have things that have gone wrong. We've all encountered failures. Hopefully, we're encountering lots of failures because that means that we've tried a bunch of different things. But, you know, the more things that we try, the more victories we're going to have. And then that makes us into, you know, whatever that person is of the, the moment of the day. Like you always strike me as the sort of person who is willing to jump into anything. You know, you, you may kind of give off the shy vibe from time to time and, you know, you awkward. Know but yeah. Oh, you think I'm <laughs> awkward. Okay. I, That's great. Well, it's just one word. It's just a word. You can learn to outgrow it and become something else. Uh, no, of course, I don't think you're awkward, but I do think you are are. I think you like to know everything about a situation before you you jump yes, into it. That's true. I'm on the other hand, like I don't really like trying anything as, yes. as we've well documented uh, in this podcast. But you do you are an outgoing uh, person. You do take chances, experience new things. Has there been something professionally? I mean, obviously, the biggest thing is is going into, you know, working for yourself. But has there been something that you've looked back on and said, like, man, I never thought this was going to be who I was, but I'm so glad I tried this because it's it's opened me up to this whole new world. Yes. This is not completely in line with my professional career, but it 100% affected it. So for the listeners who don't know me, um, I grew up in New York, um, a suburb of New York City, as did Steve, if you guys didn't know that, and lived there I mean, pretty much until right before I got married. And then at that point, I moved to central Connecticut, right right outside of Hartford. But all of my family, my parents grew up in New York, all my extended family, like everyone was there. So it was a little bit of a step to move to Connecticut, even though it was only like an hour and a half away. But um, in that time that we lived in Connecticut, we were fortunate enough to get to travel to Florida quite a bit because my husband worked for ESPN, who was owned by Disney. So we got these like mad deals going to Disney World, getting to stay in the Disney World Hotel. So those that became our go-to vacation spot. And as the years went on, we were just finding ourselves going there more and more. And somewhere around the two to three year mark, I kept saying to Jimmy when we got down there, like, you know, people live in Florida. It's so nice here. I'm so happy every time we come down here. Like, would it be crazy if we moved to Orlando? And Orlando was the area that we knew because mm-hmm. Disney World is there, but also the one person in our collective families, because my husband's family is also from same area of New York. Um, he has one sister who was living in Orlando at the time. So that was also kind of a pull to know that we had a person there that that was there. So this kind of crazy idea came up and a lot of people think that we moved here to Florida because Jimmy got transferred or he got a new job. But the truth is, I really wanted to. I was the one who was kind of pushing for it. And he started looking for opportunities. And we thought for sure, because ESPN was owned by Disney, that he would definitely get 
a job with Disney like that seemed like it would be like an easy transfer but that didn't come to be instead this other opportunity came his way for him to um, get a job located in northeast Florida in this little beach town called Ponte Vedra which is outside of the city of Jacksonville and we knew nothing about Jacksonville before Mm. Joey came or both of us came down here for his interview and immediately the first thing I did was like okay what's the proximity to Disney World because that's what I knew I knew Orlando I'm like okay I can get there in two hours like all right I can make this work sure and so we came here we checked it out like all right how much can you learn about a place in two days but you know it seemed good enough and he accepted the offer and I got to tell you we got I got a little bit of backlash from our families um especially they weren't happy especially my family yeah like I said everyone I knew lived in this one place no one ever moved away and it almost I think to them felt like we were abandoning them especially because this wasn't like Jimmy got transferred this was our choice and our doing and I think everyone was in a little bit of shock and a little bit of disbelief, especially because of how quickly everything happens. Like once he accepted that job, we had put our house on the market in Connecticut and moved like within three weeks. It all happened really wow. fast. Yeah. So what we had to like tell everyone, almost like reassure everyone was, listen, we're new. We're moving to this new place. We know nothing about it other than it's, it's warm and that's going to make Michelle happy. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, we'll come back. And I think that everyone thought that we would. And I fell in love with it here immediately. Like I, I knew that we weren't coming back yeah. and that, that this was like a good choice for us to relocate. And since that move, like I swear it was like a domino that I pushed over because everything started to line up for me. Like amazing things just began to happen with my business and my personal life. And, you know, I met all these great people who live here. And like I said, like my business grew, my blog grew, my shop grew. And maybe all of those things would have happened. Like maybe this is just the story that I'm telling myself that these things happen because we moved here. But I feel like I am myself more the truest version of myself here. As crazy as this sounds, I feel like I'm almost like a plant a plant mm. that needs to thrive in the environment that exists here in Florida. And I realize now looking back on it that this move was not just me getting to a warm place. This move was proving to myself that I can do something different and crazy. And not only that I could like survive, like the story that we were telling our family, like, oh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, we'll move back. People do that a lot. You ever notice they put that caveat in there when it's always like, hey, if this doesn't work out, we can always go back it's or you like, can always move home. And I feel like it's like, blanket. yeah, it's like meant to make you feel better about making the leap to know that there's something you can always fall back on. Yeah. And I feel like for myself, I'm someone like you, like you said, Steve, like I play it safe. I want to know everything before I get myself into a situation. And I didn't know about this place before I moved here. I kind of like, I took it on good faith that this was going to be a good move for us. And it was like, it has worked out so well and have proven to myself that I can do things that are outside the box and that 
great things will come of it. It's not just like you survived this. It's you will thrive from this. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you go back to uh, Westchester County, right? Westchester County? Well, yeah. Roughly? Rockland County? Rockland, Westchester, New County? Jersey. Yeah. Our, our families are kind of spread out between those three okay. places okay. now. But you long to be back in Florida when you're there. Yeah. I mean, what's so funny is, you know, I, I grew up traveling a lot and anytime we would go on vacation, you know, I would never want it to end. And I would be sad when we got on the plane or got in the car to go home. And now when we travel anywhere, even even vacation spots, I'm always so excited to come back. It's that same level of excitement. And I think that that's an amazing thing. I don't think that that's something that a lot of people experience, that they're like, they're so excited to get home because it's just as good, if not better than the places yeah. you're vacationing to. Yeah. No, it's interesting how one one career decision, one one life decision can almost equip you with this level of confidence that might not have existed or you might have had it. You just didn't know you had it. And it came out in this op in, in this instance. I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, I grew up super close to my sisters, super dependent on my parents and moving here forced me to be more independent. Mm. And, you know, I am an introvert. I am a person who likes being alone sometimes, like to to recharge and to do my thing. And being here, I think, has given me those opportunities. And it, all of this makes me hesitant to talk about a lot because the other side of this is that, you know, I'm I am missing my family like that. That is a real thing, especially now that I have a niece and nephew, like it is really hard being away from them. But I know that I am such a better person being here that, you know, the time that I get to spend with them is just, they're getting the best version of me as I, I, I feel like a lot of people may hear that and it sounds really selfish, but this is just what I'm coming to learn that the more you let yourself be yourself, the better you're going to be to everyone. Like mm -hmm. if you just think about like, people who aren't doing what makes them happy, people who aren't happy in their lives, don't treat other people well. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I just encourage everyone, like, get past the stigma that taking care of yourself and, and following, you know, what's in your heart is a selfish thing and start to reframe it to know that you being a better person makes other people better people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can. I get that. It's interesting. You're right. I never knew that about you. And, and again, it, it aligns so perfectly with your with your mindset. Um, you know, we've documented a lot on this on this podcast, how, you know, crabby I can be about things at times and <laughs> don't laugh. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, we, we, we started this episode and when we were kind of going over what we wanted to talk about during the week. I started to think about, you know, what, what, what does make me, me. And, you know, I, I, I started thinking professionally speaking, you know, when I first started working in public relations, I think I was very much eyes wide open and, uh, kind of like a puppy, just following people around and trying to learn and trying to emulate. And I really wasn't doing anything that was mine. Um, mm -hmm. and, the first opportunity that I had a chance to really, you know, make a name for myself 
was in the area of social media. We had a number of client school districts that we work with people on the team that when social media for businesses really hit, you know, hit the mainstream um, or were just kind of coming on the cusp, nobody was really embracing it. And it was something that I looked around and said, we have an opportunity here that a lot of districts around the country, certainly around the state, weren't taking advantage of. And um, I made the you know, try to make inroads to position myself as like a thought leader in social media, specifically on our team. And I had gotten the position. It wasn't really a position, so to speak, but it was an opportunity. And I kind of took it and ran with it. And it was the first thing that was really mine. And it was the first opportunity where I felt like I had an, I had a chance to, you know, help shape opinion and be a thought leader on our team in, in these areas. And as I've grown and advanced, I mean, that was somewhere around 2010, 2011, um, you know, and then I applied for, uh, the management, I went for the management position, uh, you know, a couple of years before that, I probably wouldn't have thought that I was capable, but just taking the chance and saying like, I want to own something, I think gave me the, the comfort level to, um, go for further advancement and further opportunities. But, but I do want to circle back to, you know, why I'm, I think I'm looked at as being contrarian or crabby, uh, from okay. time to time. I like this. We're going to have a whole episode about why you're so crabby. Yeah. You could stay quiet for a little while if you want, and I'll just take the reins over. And <laughs> I, I know you have a lot to say on this. Yes. Um, tell us where this is coming from. I think the, the, the contrarian piece or the skeptic piece tends to come from the way I was raised. I think my dad was always somebody who raised me as somebody to question, not so much question authority, like as in to talk down, but you know, if you're being told to do something, find out why, understand why, don't just blindly go along with it. And, you know, that's become kind of a staple of, I think, who I am as a, as a professional, even in, in, in life, but certainly as a professional, you know, there are so many resources that exist in our industries that help to, I mean, this podcast is one of them, you know, frankly, I wouldn't, I would hope nobody would just take what we say at face value and tries to run and implement it just oh, because yeah. it's worked no, we're, for us. We're not here to be experts. We're here to spark ideas that you guys form on your own. Well, I mean, like we joke all the time about how, you know, you give me suggestions for shows that I might want to watch on Netflix and I'm just and like, you're like yeah, no. okay, like, no. Well, Sometimes you I, give me a maybe to get me to shut up. But yeah, <laughs> for the most part, it's just like, eh, no, I'm not going to do that. But I feel like it's that I don't like somebody dragging me to a finish line. Like I need to arrive there myself. I need to prove it to myself. I need to arrive. I need to con- come to a conclusion on my own. And, um, do you feel you like know, you have to earn it though? Like, is there some other kind of like underlying psychological thing here where you feel like you can't fully enjoy something unless you go through this process and journey? To yeah. Get there? Yeah. I do think there's a little bit of that. There's a satisfaction level that comes from learning something, completing something I get and, that. And, and doing it on your own. Yeah. Um, but I think what happens is you'll read something or somebody on our on our team will come and say like, oh, I think we should do this. And my first reaction is like, why? why? Like, why? And, and and it's not so much that I disagree. It's not so much that I don't, you know, I don't even think it's like a bad idea or a good idea. I just want to be convinced. I want to, I, you know, I, I need to, I need to know more. And that doesn't make me different. I'm sure there's, there's dozens of people, hundreds of people who listen to this, maybe who are, are like that. But. 
I think it has an effect on how I'm, I'm, I'm perceived. There's been a lot of times on our, on our, on our team here where, you know, it's, it's kind of been like known as, as Steve's way. If it's not done Steve's way, it's a problem. And oh, like, that doesn't that's sound a, like you have the best reputation. Um, I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I think it's probably the way I, I, I present it. And I think sometimes pushing back or being skeptical, um, can be off putting to people because they feel like you're constantly questioning them or you're constantly putting down their hard work and effort. And uh, truthfully, that's something that I've, I've struggled with. And I don't necessarily think I was always the best at it at first. I remember having a meeting with when I first got this management job, I was, I was meeting with somebody I was managing and, um, I had to deliver a difficult message to him and we were meeting for lunch and I was just like, you know, talking to myself as I was going over to lunch and I'm like, okay, just come out and say it, just come out and say it. And I spent like the first 10 minutes of the meeting, like dancing around the subject. And finally the guy's like, listen, if you have something to say, can you just come out and say it? Oh, that guy did you a favor. Yeah. But now you haven't stopped and now I haven't stopped. So like it's opened up this whole can of worms where I was just like, no, I can be forthcoming with what I need to say. I probably need to be more delicate sometimes and how it and how it comes out. Um, or maybe I don't, maybe it's on the person receiving the message, but either way, it's never at a point of disrespect. It's always at a point of trying to drill down to the root of the issue and seek to understand whether or not it's a worthwhile endeavor or not. That's what drives me as, as, as a, as a person professionally, personally, I, I don't like being just told, you should do this or you should try this. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll do the research on my own and find out whether or not this is, this is worth it. And I think it sometimes labels me as a, uh, as a condescending person or, or, or somebody who doesn't respect other people. And that's, that's not the truth. I mean, when you and I have gotten, you know, we, we talked about this in an Instagram post the other day, like we don't always see eye to eye on, on Mm -hmm. ideas for this podcast, but we respect the hell out of one another and know that it's always with the right intentions in mind. I think when you're on the common, when you share a common ground like that, it's a heck of a lot easier to, to navigate things like that. Absolutely. And honestly, I don't, I don't think that you're apologizing by saying that, but I just want to make it clear that I, I don't, I think that the world needs more people like you and more people need to challenge things and question things because that's how progress is made. I mean, if, if we all just sat back and accepted things for, for what they were, we, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. A million things wouldn't exist if someone didn't ask the question, like, how can we do this better? How can we do this differently? So let's, yeah, I don't, let's be more like Steve guys. Ooh, I like the sound of that, but doesn't You'll it never hear you me though? say anything like that again. <laughs> doesn't it annoy you though? Like half of my Twitter feed, I feel like is like, is filled with just regurgitation of somebody else's thoughts. And it's like, set aside the fact that the thought might not be accurate. I mean, the one that kills me is like when, when you see articles about, you know, the times to post on, on social media, here are the best times for you to post on social media. That article has no idea about your audience and what, what time they're on and what they're, what they're interested in and what they're responding to. So why on earth would you take that advice? I, I, I don't that see that's the stuff that just frustrates me. Like we have so many resources at our fingertips today that it's almost like I implore people to do the research and come to your own conclusions. Be skeptical. Be that short stick that like constantly aims to question authority to arrive at the answer you need to get, not at what would be acceptable for that situation. We talked about this in another episode about like trusting yourself and trusting your gut. Did we talk about yeah. this yet? I think 
it, it comes down to that too. Like people don't trust their own instincts, their own minds and their own opinions. So that is why so many of us default to these answers and to these articles is like, we want someone else to tell us what the right thing is instead of taking the time or trusting ourselves to come up with that answer on our own. But the people that are the ones who are movers and shakers and making progress are the ones who are brave enough to ask those questions and to take the time to do the research and then also just be willing to like experiment. I know that I'm very guilty of this, that I like to find the quick answer. I like the expert to tell me what to do so that I don't have to worry whether or not I'm wrong or right. But when it comes down to it, that is, it's just one person's methodology. So the more successful people will take those opinions. I, I, I do think that it's valuable to go through your Twitter feed every once in a while to read. I mean, sure. I, I sure. make it no secret that I am always plugged into an audiobook or a, a podcast. Like I think getting educated is super important. But with all of, the, all of those voices and all of those opinions, you have to be able to form your own opinion and your own plan of action for what works for your people, your tribe, your audience. I think that has something to do with your values too. You know, who are you as a person? What do you believe in? What, what matters to you? We asked, um, we asked people in our audience coming into this show about, you know, are there examples of situations in their personal or professional lives where remaining true to who they were helped to you know, better the situation or get them on a better track or that they overcame something where they had to show that, um, you know, that, that intestinal fortitude. Oh, there's that um, word again. You love, oh, you love dropping that phrase in. Yeah. We should do a drinking game. That's got to be on the board. So yes, that's definitely yeah. part of the PFC drinking game, right? That. And when your microphone falls off the stand, yes, which yeah. it looks like it's about to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk and you can hold, hold the mic for a second. Um, but we had a, a, a number of, of our, our listeners um, jump in, and one of them was my friend uh, and friend of the show, uh, Betsy Spina, who is a, uh, a radio DJ out in California for uh, Radio Disney Country. But uh, she's had a long career, in, and really in entertainment in general, she's had some appearances on, uh, on uh, soap operas, and um, you know she's done a lot of work, um, but there was a uh, an episode where she uh, previously worked at a Christian radio station back here on the East Coast a few years back. And um, the station basically found out that she was living with her now husband, um, but uh, before that they were married. Um, so the station found this out and because they were a Christian radio station basically came to her and said that um, you can move out from living with your uh, then boyfriend, or they were going to fire her. And she, I, first of all, I mean, you can, you can sit there and say like, are you kidding me? I mean, this can be a whole religious conversation. Uh, we're not going to center on that, but we're going to center on, on kind of the, the decision process that she made because she knew that her and her boyfriend, Mike, and now her husband, they were meant to be together. So, um, she basically stood their ground, stood her ground, uh, and they fired her. Which at this and point was, of the story sounds like, she made the wrong choice and you know, right. she should regret that decision, et cetera. Right. And you know, it was a horrible situation for her at the time. Um, because you're in a position where, you know, living in New York city, uh, where she was at the time isn't cheap. And you know, there are, you know, decisions that have to be made and all the other things that kind of come with, you know, losing an income. And, and also just um, knowing that she's somewhat of a public 
figure like right oh yeah like this people knew her and this i'm sure was like a public thing i don't know if they actually talked about it on the station or you know i'm sure people were asking her about it at least yeah um and she was able to um reach out to some other contacts that she had um people who actually originally hired her at another station were looking out for her they introduced her to a program director at at sirius xm and um, she was hired six months later doing some work on the highway um, and then uh, which was one of their original country channels. And then that led her back to her current job that she's at now at Radio Disney Country. So it's a it's a quick story in the sense that, you know, she was fired, but she had skills. And sometimes the decisions that are made that are taken out of your hands that are made almost for you. But because you're sticking to your cause really end up working out for the better because yeah. you knew what you believed in and it ended up, you know, may obviously making a better situation for her. Better um, things if, are waiting for her. I love yeah. that story. No, absolutely. I mean, Betsy, sorry that you had to go through that. And I just want to say like when I, when I first read this immediately, I was like, ah, like in the first part of the story, I'm like, what were they thinking? Like, this is so horrible and everything. But I also want to, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And not only back up Betsy, but I'm going to back up the radio station that that fired her because there are people there who were sticking to their guns and what was important to them and their ideals. And, you know, Betsy wasn't the right fit because there were these other jobs out there that were a much better fit for her. And I know that she's happier now, but same with them. I mean, it probably now they probably have replaced her with someone that is more in line with their ideal. So whether or not I agree with them, I'm going to at least say they stuck to their guns and everyone should stick to their guns. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. I mean, I'm going to side with my friend, but I, 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 completely... <laughs> I didn't say I was picking sides. I just wanted I to point out that I mean, it, show, it, it, Michelle no. is not taking a side on this issue. No, I that am. that that you can't. <laughs> It can't be a one-way thing. Yes, I, 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 you're right. And you can't and, be like, oh, well, you know, when it comes to me, I should stick to my guns, but everyone else, you know, should do should make decisions right. each, that affect me in a positive way. You know, to everyone, each his own. Yeah, that's right. more of Abs- what I'm trying to say. But when it comes down to it, I think that Betsy was in the right. I don't think that. I mean, I just told my story. I was also living with my husband before we were married. So, Oh, sure. But you know, like, the, but like in this, in this instance, right? Like, you know, we, we started this by saying, we started this episode by talking about that Instagram post that we have up on, on pod for creatives on Instagram. And, you know, we were talking about how you're going to change and evolve over time, but you do have some true qualities that you will always carry through. And that's just something that was, you know, kind of, you know, innate in, in, in her, uh, her mindset. So you give her credit for, for sticking to her guns and not, not allowing that situation to potentially negatively affect her. She has a better opportunity. Um, I mean, it's a situation that worked out. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, sticking to your guns and what you believe in, you know, I I think there's something to be said for that. By the way, if anybody's interested in following her at all, she's on Instagram. It's Betsy RD country at Betsy RD country, especially my Michelle Hickey Design Followers, she posts a lot of very inspirational content that I think you guys will enjoy. Yes, agreed. Another person who chimed in on this conversation was our friend Jacqueline Humble, who uh, hosts her own podcast called The Millennial Homemakers, and you guys should 
go follow lo- them as well. Isn't that a fun name? I love name? that title. Yeah, I yeah, love that so title. Jacqueline uh, co-hosts it with her friend Jackie. And she shared that her most recent example of being true to herself was actually starting this podcast because a lot of what they talk about on their podcast has to do with interior design and hostessing, all things that are very visual topics. It's things that you mostly see like in blogs and on Pinterest. And Jacqueline and Jackie decided to go this other route and podcast about it, even though they knew that they might be losing those visual people and talking about about visual topics. But Jacqueline said that it has really paid off for them because they're the only ones in this space. And, you know, the blogging world is so oversaturated. And because they're really one of the few interior design um, podcasts, they stand out and they've gotten attention. And if you actually go back in their Instagram feed, you can check out some of the HGTV celebs that have commented on their post. They did an episode where they talked about uh, Trading Spaces coming back. Steve, do you know Trading Spaces? Are you familiar? Yeah, that's when... No, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Trading Spouses. Trading Spaces is what? What are you watching? (laughs) You don't remember from Chappelle's show, Trading Spouses? No. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Go ahead. All right, so Trading, Trading Spaces is a show... I'm not surprised that you haven't watched this, but it's a show that was on probably like in the late 90s, early 2000s, and the concept was neighbors would switch homes and remodel and redesign a room in one another's home led by a celebrity interior decorator. And there was like a team of six of them and all of them had very distinct styles and personalities. So a few of those stars who are now having a resurgence because they're bringing this show back um, commented on Jacqueline and Jackie's podcast um, Hmm. Instagram feed, which is so cool. No, that's absolutely cool. I'm sure you'd be more impressed if it was the stars of Trading Spouses, but I think that, <laughs> to be fair, that it's super cool. It was a skit on the Chappelle show. It's very funny. I recommend anybody going to watch it. But we'll we'll link ahead, back... to it in the show notes if it does indeed <laughs> exist. It's not clean, but you know. I'll I'll put a little disclaimer. Don't yeah. show it to the kids. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that is an awesome. That is really cool. I mean, and I know that that's it's one thing that's cool, but I also think, you know, they haven't been around for that long. And I know that they have a really good following and a really active Facebook group. And yeah, if they had done the normal, typical thing and just done like a blog, they'd probably be lost in that sea of content. So, Steve, they followed your advice. They questioned authority. They said, you know what? We're not doing a blog. We're doing a podcast and we are going to describe in detail all of these beautiful things that we're talking about. And yeah. they do a great job at it. Yeah. No, it's it. And she's got great content and I, I love that name. So, yeah, that's awesome. Do we want to talk at all about like we talked about our personalities and knowing ourselves? Like, should we talk at all about taking the time to figure out? other people's in like in working relationships and you know and in personal relationships I I need to be myself but I also I don't know I I handle people in different ways do you feel like you do that or you're you're more like you're you no matter who it is I'm probably more patient with you know people in my family um I don't necessarily feel like I I don't have that that skill set I mean 
I, I try to be empathetic in, in all situations, professionally and personally. Doesn't mean I'm not going to push back, but I do try to understand the situation from the other person's vantage point. Um, yeah, I think with different people, it, it certainly depends. It depends on the relationship you've cultivated, you know, and 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 what you, you know, what what you know about that person. Uh, I think a lot of times that dictates how you interact. You know, I've always felt like if you treat everybody the same, if I manage everybody the same. Um, I'm going to probably be out of a job pretty quickly because mm-hmm. everybody's different. Everybody's skill set is different. Everybody's strengths are different. Everybody's weaknesses are different. And if I'm constantly trying to just force my way or, you know, or teach them just one way of doing things and it's only coming at them the same way, I don't think that's going to be very effective. Um, so I try to keep that in mind and assess the person and understand what, you know, what, drives them, what their interests are, what they're, you know, what they're looking to get out of, out of the situation. And then hopefully allow that to, you know, shape the advice or shape the feedback or the direction that we're going in. I think that that's a skill set in itself, being aware of other people's personalities and their reactions to things like there's probably a fine line here because we want to be true to ourselves. But I think that I probably do this more than you do. But I feel like I have versions of myself depending on who I'm dealing with who I'm talking to and you know this can be as simple as like on a professional level like obviously I'm going to write emails to people that I am doing sponsorships in a different way than I'm going to write an email to you know my mom so it, it can be as simple as that but I feel like as far as communication goes the better understanding that we have of people and this goes back to what you said about knowing your audience the better you can communicate with them did I just say communicate twice no I got what you were saying like it it <laughs> organization a couple of years ago came out with these customer service regulations or standards and they were trying to to, to really standardize our our approach and uh, you know in the in the the specifics of the the service standards were like when somebody calls the proper way to answer the phone is you know the name of the organization. This is Steve. How may how may I help you? And I was just like, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Like, any normal saying, human is is not gonna expect that or think any less of you. I mean, I may, also, maybe in certain instances, but from what I know from from your organization, that seems a little over the top. Yeah, and it's also very robotic. You know, I think what makes me me and you know, I, I, I work, you know, I do a lot in recruiting and hiring and, um, you know, I'm the face that kind of meets people and, and tries to get them in the door for interviews. And oh, they put it, the crabby person at the door. That makes isn't sense. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Isn't that ironic? No, but I could turn it on when I want to. Uh, so you it, do I, have different versions depending on your situation and who you're dealing with. That's what I'm saying. I said, I think it depends on, I think it depends on the situation. Like, yeah, I want to be a good ambassador of, of, of our organization. So like, of course I'm going to try to, you know, bring that and carry that forward. And I believe everything that, that I say, but you have that, that responsibility. So you develop a relationship. So if somebody calls or somebody emails, like the tone and how you interact with that person has to be authentic to what they expect of you. It can't just be this stale approach of communication that is standardized because, that way there's there, there's no you know room for interpretation it just didn't flow it wasn't it wasn't comfortable and it, it's just not it's not me i've never heard of anyone making a personal connection with a standardized canned 
response. Yeah. Nobody wants like, I mean, that's, it doesn't... that's the opposite of, of effective. Like we're all humans, unless you're dealing with a robot, maybe they will respond to that. But all humans that I know respond much better to personalized human, a little personality in there, even if that personality doesn't completely jive with the other person, like a personality is better than no personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, you talk about remaining true to yourself. Like if that's who you are, I mean, that's what's got to carry through. People have to know how to trust you. I mean, I think that's the other piece of being true to yourself is it's not just being true to yourself for your own benefit. It's being true to yourself so other people know what to expect from you. And whether or not that's a bad thing for me, like we started the episode talking about how sometimes, you know, I might have a negative opinion or there might be a negative opinion of of me in the organization because I can be contrarian. But I think people know that, okay, he's gonna poke holes in this. This is what this is what, you know, we expect of him. Mm-hmm. Um they I think secretly that's a good like thing. it. I hope so. I I, I, I hope mean you so. still have your job. That's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an episode for another day. <laughs> but yeah. Um it's so it's gotta be working. But you know, and 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 in your case, like I think your inquisitiveness and 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 your want to constantly grow and 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 advance and get better like I think that that shows I think that kind of radiates off of you and I think that's an attractive quality for you know your your customers the 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 influencers that you're working with and that you're involved with I I think that plays a big role in who who you are and and what you know people look at you for I love that I don't want to get into the whole law of attraction because um, that, that is a whole nother conversation. But I, I just adore that thought that what you want and what you put out will attract exactly that, exactly what you put out. It's just I, it's it's such a cool concept. Like and it's so simple. Like it's not some when I, I, I had heard of like the law of attraction before and I was just like, all right, that's like, you know, probably some cult thing. But it's really just a simple concept like you be yourself and people who you want to hang out with will come your way. I have a friend uh, or, or a colleague if, if, um, who works up in Canada and we were talking about successful presenters and, and a common thread that kind of carries through. And I said to her, um, I might have said something like, you know, I feel like the reason why I'm I'm successful is because, you know, I, I, I engage and, you know, I think the presentation is dynamic and all these things around the presentation. And this is going to sound conceited and I don't mean it to sound conceited, but she's like, she goes, well, I think a big reason why you're successful is because you're, you know, somewhat attractive and good looking. And I was like, no, that's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> and, you know, but the more I kind of thought about it and again, this is going to sound conceited. The more I was like, yeah, that's true. I mean, if I was standing up there and I was and I wasn't selling myself and I was just kind of a lump and I wasn't like, who's gonna buy into that? So like, exactly. And I'm gonna, I don't know, do what with what you just said, but say this: attraction aside, like you put your best foot forward. You're not showing up and giving these presentations in scrubs and looking like a slob. Like you are a polished person, at least when. (laughs) At least when you're presenting. At least when I'm not texting with you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I think that there is definitely something to be said about that and and that we should all always be striving to to put that out there. Like, 
freaking show up. Don't yeah. just don't just dial it in. Like unless that's what you expect to get back from people. Like if you want people to treat you well and to respond to you, you have to dress the part and you have to you have to live the part. Yeah, nobody's going to listen to you if you're, you know, captain bad attitude around here. I mean, like you got to back it up. You got to bring it. And And you got to look do- good doing it. And you don't have to be attractive for that to work. I mean, it helps. But um, you know, I, I think that it doesn't take much for people to dress a little bit more polished. And you know, I have I have that like desire to to be in the 1950s and for everyone, everyone in the 1950s whether or not, you know, they had a pretty face Everyone looked good because everyone dressed respectfully. So well, we need to get back to that. Most of them pants up around like, you know, their, their, their midsection. But that was the style then. Yeah. It looks yeah. good. It worked. Thank God it's like, you know, low hip level now or something because you were I would low not do hip well level with that. pants. Well, it's like right at the hip, like probably on the Normal hip bone. Level. Right. I'm sitting now, so I really can't illustrate this, but you'll have to take my word for it. Yes. And guys, if you want to see what Steve looks like, head over to our Instagram page. You can maybe we'll do a poll as to whether or not Steve's success is because of his looks. (laughs) This is not going to work out well for me. (laughs) This is setting me up to fail. There's going to be one vote for yes. It's just going to be my going to be my avatar. (laughs) This whole theory is going to come crashing down. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Well, now that the audience knows that you're crabby and conceited, is Mm -hmm. there anything else that we want to talk about before we wrap this up? If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and let us know what stood out to you the most. Looking forward to hearing from you. (laughs) I was in such a flow! (laughs) Just pick it up and host a sing, and then just go. Oh, if you had your eyes down for another two seconds, you would have missed it. I would have pulled it away. It would have never happened. Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Go ahead. (laughs)